And I'm excited about picking up where we left off last week. Did everybody enjoy the message last week on, on, on red letters, the words of Jesus? So that's what we've been looking at, studying. Uh, it, it's really those red, those red words, those red letters uh, that change us, right? That have that transformational change that can take place in our lives. They're, they're different, aren't they? They stand out. As you read the Bible, they're red. <laughs> so they literally stand out and they stand out for a reason. It's because it's the, the Son of God speaking. Amen. And when He speaks, He has a way that helps us connect to Him and help us connect to the Father and the Father's heart and the Father's will for His people. Amen. So, so I'm excited to pick up uh, where we left off. And we're going to do a little recapping before we get into the new part of our message this morning. So let's go ahead and look at Luke. It's uh, 6, 46 through 49. It's really our, our foundational scripture that we used last week. And I love this scripture. It's Jesus and some red letters for us this morning. And he says at 46, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Do you know that it's important that Jesus is just more than Lord and Savior in our lives? That he is Lord over every area of our lives. He, he needs to be Lord and Savior. And if he's not your Lord and Savior this morning, we can, we can change that for you today. Amen. Before we, we uh, close and dismiss this morning. But if he's, not, if he's Lord and Savior, he needs to be Lord over our lives, over every area of our lives. He says, 47, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep, say deep, deep. and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When floods sweep down against that house, it'll collapse into a heap of ruins. So it's very important that uh, as we are trying to build stronger lives, anybody trying to build a stronger life, a stronger foundation, a stronger family, a stronger ministry, just a stronger house that can stand. Jesus says, if you, if you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say, your house is going to crumble. It's not going to stand. When the, next, when the next storm from the world, that next wind from the world, the next uh, wave from the world comes against your house, and you haven't uh, laid the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ, in your life, you are not going to stand. So he says, it's very important that you listen to my teaching and do what I say, amen? And when we do, we can stand, and we can stand confidently and boldly, knowing that we have a foundation, amen? And no matter what it looks like, we can stand and continue to fight confidently and boldly. So we got we to gotta listen to God and follow Jesus. And when we do that, our lives will be made stronger, and we can, we can have the lives that we're desiring to have and live, amen? Let's look at that first point that we said Last week, we said, the words of Jesus are powerful, foundational, and insightful. Jesus' words allow us to see, say see, hear, and feel the heart and the will of God for our lives. And so Jesus' words are that. They are powerful. They are transformational. They're the words that, that can leap off the page and into your heart instantaneously. Anybody ever experienced that in your quiet time? You're reading it and it's just like he has a way of speaking, probably because he's the son of God, <laughs> the perfect 
Son of God. But the Lord was showing me it was important that Jesus had to come to save you and save me and save the world, which he did. But he had to come to help us connect back to the heartbeat of God the Father. And to see and recognize the will for God's people. Because we have a way of connecting to Jesus in a way that we can't connect to God the Father. Because in our minds as we pray sometimes, we, we see and think and feel as God is in this far off place because he is. He's in heaven, right? And Jesus is the perfect son of God, but he came and lived in a body like yours and like mine. So we can identify and recognize, we connect to his humanity. And so when he speaks, something happens, and it reconnects us uh, to him, to, 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 to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. And Jesus has a way of helping us connect and reconnect. And it's his life and his words that help reveal God's will and God's ways for us. Jesus never spoke out of turn. He always spoke to, to glorify his Father in, in the name of the Holy Spirit, right? They're, they're, they're always in total agreement, all three, all three, all the time. And so Jesus, let's look at that next point. We said last week that Jesus said, serve God, stop worrying, and start living. Say, start living. living. Your life, God's way. And God will give you everything you need. So we we have to stop worrying. Wasting time worrying. I said last week, the Lord showed me that when we worry, we actually are living our lives in the exact opposition of what faith is. And how we're designed to operate. You know, you can't, you can't be hope-filled and be living in worry at the same time. We're supposed to be filled with hope, with expectation of who God is, what he's doing in our lives, where he's taking us. Amen. And when we're stuck in worry and doubt and fear, those are the exact opposite things of what faith is. And when we realize who our shepherd is, y'all, we don't have to waste our time worrying anymore. So if you're stuck in a place of worry and doubt and fear, you might have lost sight of who your shepherd is. Can I tell you who your shepherd is? He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. He's the God that said, let there be. And guess what? There was. Whatever you need in your life that you don't have, if you've accepted him into your life and you trust him more and more each day, it's a process, this, this life of faith. But y'all, he can give you whatever you need with the snap of his finger, with one word. One word from heaven can change your life, can bring that thing that you're believing and praying for into your life. So we have to stop worrying, start activating our faith, and we have to start, stop living life our way and start living our life God's way. And I said last week that living life God's way is upside down and what? And backwards. Y'all, and that's very true. If you're trying to, to be a leader, in the kingdom of God, to, to do that and attain that, you first have to be a servant. You have to, you have to serve first to become a leader. If, if you need uh, love and compassion in your life, well, guess what? you got to go and be that loving, compassionate person first. You need people to like you in your life, you got to be likable in your life to others first. It's upside down and backwards. What you need in your life, you have to be able to freely give. So that you can receive, have the posture of being able to receive what God is wanting to do in your life. It's upside down and backwards, but it's so worth it. Tell your neighbors, say, hey, it's worth it. It's worth it. That's what faith is. 
If he told you the play-by-play of how you're going to get from point A to point B, no, we'd miss it. We'd overthink it. We'd stress out about it even that much more probably. So I'm thankful for his will and for his ways. Even though it is upside down and backwards to the way my flesh and my unredeemed mind of Christ that wants to operate at times. So I'm thankful. Amen. This is an extra scripture you don't have this morning, but you should have it on your outline from last week. It's Matthew 6, 33-34. It's Jesus speaking some more red letters. It says, Seek ye first, say first, the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you, there it is, everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring about its own worries. You better believe that. Today's trouble is enough for today. So, but it's very simple, and it's pretty practical. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, live righteously, and everything you need will be given to you. And so all we have to do is seek him, do what he says, believe, fast, and pray that he's going to do it. We seek him, we do what he says, and then he, he meets our needs. When, and I say when, we operate in this way, y'all, you won't have to worry. You don't have to worry. So if, if you're worrying and you're stuck in this place, y'all, maybe we forgot to seek his face first. It's a sign that you're not seeking his kingdom first. You're, you're seeking your own kingdom and you're doing it your own way, and it ain't working out the way you had it scheduled. It ain't matching up to your timeline that you have on the calendar. And you're not seeking his face. And because you're not seeking his face and trusting him, you've taken that trust and that control in your own hands. And you find yourself frustrated and more frustrated each day that you keep trying to do that on your own. Y'all, we're terrible gods. We're terrible masters. He is an awesome shepherd. And he wants to lead us. And guide us. And it's so important that that's why we stay connected to him. While we stay seeking his face. Day in and day out. Because when you stay connected to him, guess what? When you're connected to the Father, all you'll be able to see is his protection and provision. His protection, his provision. His protection and provision over this area, over this area. And as you, as you stay connected with him and you keep seeking his face, you see his blessings. And you feel better even in your test and in your trial. Because you might even see and recognize, you know what? He was there in my disobedience. Yeah. Oh, has anybody ever had him bless you in your disobedience? Yeah, our God's that good. <laughs> so how much more has you loved and accepted him and are trying to trust him more and more every day? Is he going to show up on your behalf? Provide for you, our, our Jehovah Jireh, our, our protector, our provider over our lives, over your family, over your jobs, whatever it is that you need. And so his provision and protection, it proves that we can trust him, that we can trust him more. As you see his provision, his protection, it's going to, it's going to draw you closer, to draw you closer to him more and more every day. And in doing that, as you trust him more, he becomes our shepherd again. He becomes our shepherd again. Let's read Matthew 9, 36 through 38. Y'all know we need a shepherd. The Bible compares us to sheep. And we need a shepherd who's going to care for us. And 36, it says, 
Uh, this is some more red letters for us. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, speaking of Jesus, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered. Anybody been weary and scattered? Jesus was moved. It says, they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Y'all, Jesus proves he's a good shepherd because he was moved with compassion as he saw that his sheep were living less than. They were scattered. They were weary. They were tired. They were burdened. They were uh, addicted to drugs and to alcohol and pornography. And they were, they were bound by sin. And he was moved, but he didn't just, he was sent to save those people. And that's exactly what he came to do, and he saw and recognized that. I'm sure he thought his heart, I'm, I, I, I got y'all. And you know, Jesus can be enough, but he didn't stop there. He uses this moment to teach his disciples, and he says, you know what? The harvest is so plentiful. There's so much potential. Y'all, but the laborers are few. He was challenging his disciples, or anybody who would listen. If you want to live for me, you want to follow me, follow me. I need some help, he's saying. The harvest is plentiful, but come join, come partner with me. Now, we especially have to trust him as our shepherd, and we have to trust him when he calls us out. When he calls us out of our comfort zones. When he, when he calls us up, when he extends it and brings us up and calls us out. He said that my sheep... Uh, I hear my voice and they know my voice and they follow me, right? So if Jesus is tugging on you and calling you out and saying, hey, join me, follow me. I'll take you on this roller coaster ride of faith. I need your help. The, the harvest is, there's so many people dying and lost and going to hell. And, and if you would just shout and testify about the, even if it's one thing I've done in your life, good, we can change. We can have a harvest of breakthrough, a harvest of freedom, a harvest of souls. Amen? So when Jesus calls us out, he calls us out into the harvest field as laborers of the faith. Laborers of the faith. Let's look at that next point. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Jesus removes our excuses and invites us to roll up our sleeves and join him in the field. Y'all, the harvest is the entire world. It's all the nations. There's so much potential locked up, stored up in the hearts of men. If they would just, we were talking about being blind and now we see. If they could just take the blinders off and see truth, some things could start changing for good. And Jesus is good enough. He's strong enough to do it on the cross. But how many people reject and deny and refuse to look at the cross. But if you would step into your calling and, and accept the call that Jesus is calling you out and be an instrument of righteousness and speak up for something that he's done in your life, maybe that person will connect to you and your story to connect them to Jesus. If all you do is, is, is preach about him and what he's done in your life, you will connect them to Jesus. So much potential. Y'all, and do you know potential is it's a good thing. 
If you see potential in somebody, that's, that's so good. But if you don't use it, do you know it's no good? It, it, it means it's, it's a good thing, but if you don't tap into it and use it, it's worthless. And so there's so much potential in the harvest for God to move and operate. And, and with that potential, that there's so much potential. That means we need that much more passion, patience, and pursuit of progress. As we see the potential, you're going to hit speed bumps. People are going to reject you. Some people might even uh, speak worse about you. But if you, if you step by faith in what God is calling you out and into, you've got to trust him. And we're going to talk about how you can trust him as he's not going to send you alone. Amen? Here in a few minutes. But we have to, we have to stay with, with, with recognizing the potential. We have to stay passionate. We have to stay patient, and we have to stay uh, steady to pursue progress. And guess what? Jesus did all three of those things, right? You better believe he was pretty passionate about what he was doing. He went to the cross for you and for me. That's, that's passion defined. What was the name of the movie? The Passion of the Christ, right? Was he patient? You better believe he was. He went from one town to the next town to the next town. He went off to pray and get, seek his kingdom first, amen? And then he came back and he'd empty himself out and get filled up and empty himself out. Was he patient? Yes. And was he, was he steady on his pursuit of progress? You better believe he was. One step after the next step, from one city to the next city, you've got to be just like Jesus. Y'all, and it's going to take much work and it's going to take many hands. And that's why Jesus is calling us out. Because if he can't do it, do it alone, and he needs us to help uh, partner with him, he can do it alone. Let me rephrase that. But how much more important is it that we, as his church, we collectively come together to go out into the world, to be a, a shiny light, to be a, a beacon of hope for people, as we work together, because it's going to take much work. It's going to take many hands. Jessica said it, Pastor Jessica said it earlier, many hands make light work. And so if we're doing it as a team together, y'all, what can't we do? What can't we accomplish? We have to be moved just as Jesus was moved with compassion in that scripture. It's like the story of the pastor that said, if you think you could ex expand the size of your church and double it in a month uh, by, by, by allowing God to lead you, raise your hand. And about two people raised their hand by faith. And he said, okay, uh, how many do you believe if I was to give you a million dollars, do you think that you could expand your church and double its size in one month? few more hands went up. Y'all, why do we have more faith in what the money can do for us than what we, what we do if we believe God can do it in and through us? We have to see the value in the harvest field. We have to have the compassion. We can't lose sight of, of the compassion of why we're doing what we're doing. If money motivates you more to go, go preach the gospel to save people who are dying going to hell than what God's done in your life, y'all, that's a heart problem. 
That's a heart problem. We got to be moved with compassion. We got to be motivated by his love and what he's done for us. That's got to be enough for us to charge the gates of hell. More than a $10 million check in your life. Let's read Galatians 4.19. It says, Oh, my dear children, I feel as a, though I'm, this is, a, this is a Paul here writing in the Galatians. He says, Oh, dear, my dear children, I feel as I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Y'all, Paul was grieved and moved with compassion so much that he was, he was chained up again, locked up again, uh, literally doing everything he could to get the, the underground church at the time off, off the ground onto its feet, teaching new doctrine and explaining who this Jesus really is. But he, he understood and saw and recognized what Jesus was saying regarding the harvest field. Because Paul wasn't going to just get his revelation and, and say, okay, I got my fire insurance. I'm good to go. I'm just going to do my thing and, and live my good life here on earth. No, he was going to try and bring as many people into repentance, many people into truth as he possibly could, even though it was going to cost him his freedom and ultimately his life. Was he fired up for God? He says, I, I go through labor pains for you. He was literally laboring, laying his life down, not for just what he believed, but who he believed in. Amen. Do you have that in you enough to, if it came down to you laying your life down, for not just what you believe in, but for who you believed in? His mission, Paul's mission, was to see Christ grow and reproduced in the world. He wanted to see the life of God grow and reproduce in the world. And he was going to go down fighting, kicking, screaming, proclaiming truth. They even said he wasn't that great of a speaker, but he still went and spoke. Nothing was going to hold him back. And if that was his mission to see Christ grown and reproduced in the world. What does that really mean? It means he was raising up laborers. That's how we reproduce the, the life of Christ in the world. We have to be reproducing not just ourselves, but the life of God in us and others to raise people up in their full potential in Christ. We say, what's part of our, part of our mission statement? We want to reach out into a hurting, broken, dark world, right? We want to raise people up in their full potential in Christ. We want to raise them up into being laborers in the harvest field. Let's read that next point. So God's heart always connects us to the harvest. So who are you laboring for and who are you laboring with? Write down three names. Uh-oh, y'all got homework this week. Who are you laboring for and who are you laboring with? Write down three names. So how do you know you're following God? There's a few things you can maybe check out. But let me give you one hint. I can tell you and let you know if you're following God probably based on the fact of you are either engaged in the harvest field or you are not engaged in the harvest field. Being engaged in the harvest field shows that we're, we're connected to God, we're following God, we're living for God, we're, we're in relationship, not with just God's people. Y'all, we're in relationship with even people that are far away from God. And if you look at everybody in the Bible, Jesus, Paul, the disciples, were they all engaged in the harvest field? You better believe it. That's all they did, right? 
That's all they did. And so who are you laboring for and with? Identify three people. And so me and Pastor Keith, we meet every Thursday. And we just talk about what God's doing that week. And mainly our meeting is a ministry-based meeting. And we, we talk about the message and what God's speaking to them as we're building the message and what we like about it, what we're going to keep in it, what we're going to keep out of it. We work together building these messages. As we sit and we're talking about it this Thursday, the Lord just showed, showed both of us really that, you know, we're doing a good job of, of having people around us that we're laboring with. Do you know the longer you're saved, the, the smaller your circle gets of people who are not saved, right? And that's how it should be. <laughs> You just you hang out with people that are saved, like-minded people. And so we were talking, and you know, we see, you know, we're doing a great work for the kingdom of God. We're laboring with people side by side with ministries. But we just felt like we've we've right now we've dropped the ball with having three people that I'm laboring for. People that are lost, people that are dying, people that are going to hell, people that I know that maybe I could do a better job of, of not even just preaching the gospel, just going, spending time with them, listening to what's going on in their lives. And then when that, that moment, that opportunity arises for me to, 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 to give God the glory and to speak up for him comes that I can, I can do it. And so we want, to, we want you to really write that down this week. Are there three people that you are laboring for, that you are praying, fasting, believing for? And I feel like if me and Pastor Keith probably dropped the ball on that, a lot of our people probably have dropped the ball on that too. If you haven't, praise God, you are doing awesome. Keep it up. Keep laboring for those people. Y'all, because... Do you know you can't birth something new? You can't bring life into this world without the pains of labor. Ask a woman or a mother who's about to give birth to a brand new life, a brand new thing, without going through the labor. Y'all, we can't, we can't experience new life in other people's lives. We can't experience the breakthrough God wants to do through us until we go through some labor pains. Y'all, labor is work. Labor is sacrifice. Labor is painful. It means I have work I have to do. But let me tell you this, labor is necessary. It's necessary for not just new life, new, new things, new breakthroughs, but it's, it's necessary for salvations. For salvations. I want to challenge you and give you some extra homework this week. What would happen if we all this week went to, to somebody new that we are going to begin to start laboring for and just invite them to church on Sunday morning. Oh, that's all you got to say. You don't got to say nothing about who Jesus is, what he's done, what he's doing. Just say, hey, I don't know what you're doing if you have a home church or not. But man, I, we have an awesome church in Holly Pond. It's called Liberty Church. Just come check it out. That's all we have to do. Y'all, maybe that's just the seed that we need for God to just explode in their heart. <laughs> Amen. And change them. Y'all, labor is necessary for new life and especially for salvations to take place out in the harvest field. The potential is, is so much, so amazing. So many opportunities. Let's read John 8, 12. It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, say follow me. You won't have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light 
that leads to life. Y'all, if, if, we, if we take the step of faith, quit worrying, start doing it God's way, seek His kingdom first, trust Him as our, as our shepherd, y'all, we won't have to worry because we get to labor in the light. We get to labor in the light. He's not going to leave you nor forsake you. He's going to lead you in, in all authority, all anointing, all power, all grace, all mercy, all love, all those things that you're going to need, He's going to equip you with as you go out into the dark harvest field. Sometimes the harvest can be dark, right? But there's so much potential because the light penetrates the darkness. We get to labor in the light. And when you say yes to him, the labor, the work, the great commission, that's what we're saying yes to ultimately, right? The great commission to go to the nations and preach and teach in my name that Jesus is, right? He's not going to leave us. He equips us with everything that we need for us to see victory. Y'all, and the world is going to be drawn to the light of God that's in you because it's dark. Y'all, it's dark out there. You're going to stand out. Trust. Trust in him more. Abide in him more as you go out, as you do try to penetrate the darkness. Be confident in who God is and what he's done in your life. You don't have to know a million scriptures. If you got one still small scripture that God spoke to you in your heart that you stand on, that's enough. If he's done or spoke one thing in your life, that's enough. You're not alone. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you, right? If you've accepted him. If you haven't tapped into that power, man, you need to. Because God the Father is where? In heaven. Jesus is where? No one's confused, right? He's seated at the right hand. Where's the Holy Spirit? In us, here on earth. Do you think that's pretty important? The, the only part of the Trinity that's here on earth with, with us is the Holy Spirit. You're not alone. He'll help you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. Let's read that next point. Jesus said he has given us the light that leads to life to those who follow him. Following Jesus is more than just coming out of the darkness. It means receiving and becoming the light of the world. Amen. I love that. It's, it's got to start somewhere, right? Coming out of the darkness, Lord would show me, is the start. Y'all, but the mission is becoming one with the light. Y'all, we all had to start somewhere. Do you remember the day you came out of the darkness? When you were blind and all of a sudden you could see? I share this all the time. I remember when the Holy Spirit showed me that abortion was so wrong. Only the power of God and the work of God in my life could have tore those blinders off my eyes to see and recognize that. Coming out of the darkness was the start, but now I was becoming one with the light, one with his truth, one with his word, one with his ways, one with his heart. And so that's the mission. We, we want to be more and more like Christ. That's why we're reading and focusing on these red letters, right? Because he's our standard. Without Christ, there's no Christianity. He's our measuring stick. So we need to look and live more and more like him every day. And we do that by becoming one with the light that is Christ. Matthew 5, 14 through 15 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives to everyone in the house. 
The purpose of the lampstand back in the day was to do just that, to dispel darkness and bring light to a house. They didn't have fancy light switches, y'all know that, where they just poof, instant light. No, they had a lampstand, they had to put it in the center of the room. And Jesus says, why would, would you put a lampstand in the center of the room and then go ahead and cover it? That defeats the whole purpose of the lamp, does it not? In the same sense, Jesus is saying, why would you snuff out the life of God that's happening in your life, in your heart, for the world to see? Why would you not share that, proclaim that, show that? Why are you even maybe dimming that thing? Instead of boasting in, in that confidence. If Jesus done it work in you, why hide it under a basket? That defeats the purpose of who God his son is and the work that he's done in your life. John 1, 4 through 5 says, The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. All the light dispels the darkness. It's not vice versa. There's not enough darkness that could overtake the light because light drives out darkness. We could turn all the lights off and we could just have one match in the middle of the room. It would be enough for everyone to see no matter where you were. Because one still small light is enough. Light always wins. When we let him shine through us, God wins. When we let him shine through us, you win. When you let him shine through us, through you, your family wins, your kids win, your ministry wins. You win at your workplace. The world wins. The harvest field gets to win. We get to experience breakthrough. When we let him shine through us, when we, when we just, we're not just coming out of darkness anymore, we're becoming one with him as his church, as the bride of Christ. Let's read that next point. We don't have to fear the darkness because we are the light of the world. When the light shines, the darkness has to flee. Say flee. flee. Jesus brings light and his light brings life. We are life dispensers. Y'all, do you know that light and darkness, that they are the opposites. They cannot mix. They repel each other. So for as believers, for you and me in the same way, y'all, we can't mix with the enemy. If you have the light of Christ in you, why are you dabbling in, in things that are borderline sin? You know, a lot of us as believers, we draw this line in the sand and we say, this is sin, and I'm going to do everything I can to get as close to that line without sinning. I don't know about you, but I need to be as far away from that line as possible. Y'all, because we're not designed to mix with the darkness. We're supposed to penetrate the darkness, and he's supposed to flee. Y'all, do you know that, 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 that being gray, you mixing with the darkness, becoming gray, you know, light and dark mixed together makes gray. You being gray doesn't change the world. But you being shiny as bright as possible for his glory does. You being gray ain't going to change anything. But you shining bright for him... Y'all, the world can change. Some things can change. Some harvests can begin to take place. Some, some lives can begin to change. And then if we're shining bright on, on fire for God, we will be life dispensers. We can be hope dealers. We can deal hope 
and freedom and, and gospel. You know, gospel literally means good news. I need some good news in my life. Every time we turn on the TV, it's all bad, negative news, right? We got something different. We got something light for the dark world. Hey, listen to me. I got something to share. I got some good testimonies to share what God's doing at my church. There's some people I know. Someone's hope is in your hands because you're called to light up the world. We're called to be light dispensers, hope dealers. Someone else's hope rests in your hands because you're called to light up the world for Christ. And if we're too busy trying to get as close to, to that line of, of being right with God and not sinning as possible, we ain't changing anything. We're focused on ourselves. We're focused about uh, not even our sacrifice that we can give to God. We're focused on how much can I do and get away with without technically being in the wrong. We need to stand out for his glory. God didn't create you to look like everybody else. Your story is unique to you. He wants to use you. We go ahead and get the worship team to come. Y'all in or y'all? Y'all can start making your way. About to close here. <clears throat> we got one more scripture I want to leave us with this morning. It comes out of 2 Corinthians. Uh, it's four, uh, 3 through 7. It's an important scripture. It's Paul again. And he's just really focusing and speaking on how important it is that we as believers recognize that the harvest is plentiful, that there's so many people out there. And he's actually references that the people are lost because they've been given up to the ruler of this world, which is Satan. They've been deceived. They've been blinded. And if they've been deceived and they've been blinded, how much more responsibility do, do you and I have, the ones who have seen the real truth, who are no longer blind, how much more responsibility do we have to help usher them into his truth, into new life? How much more responsibility do we have to labor for those folks who are out there? Verse 3, it says, If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is only hidden from people who are perishing. If you know the truth and you're bushling your light and you're hiding it, the truth behind a veil and you're hiding your life behind a veil, it's good to you, but it's, he says it's no good to the people who, who it matters to the most. Why are you snuffing out the work of God in your life? Verse 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. It's not their fault. Sometimes we have blind spots. And it's, it's not their fault that they're, they're deceived. You remember when you were deceived? <laughs> Did you know you were deceived? You don't know if you're, if, if you're blind or not. They are unable to see the glorious light of, of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light, in the darkness has made his light shine in our hearts so we can know, say no, the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We're not preaching or boasting about ourselves. We're preaching or boasting about Christ in us. And that brings us become, makes us become one with his truth and with his light. 
No, we are the light of the world. You have to choose what kind of light you'll be. As you leave here today, you're going to have to choose what kind of light you will be. You can be a matchstick. You can be a, a candlestick. You can be a, a little lighter. You could be a phone light. Y'all, or you could be a floodlight for his glory. Y'all, quit limiting God. Quit, quit, quit snuffing out the light that's in you, the, the God's word that's in your life, God's work in your life. Quit limiting God. I'm sure glad that my God, his son, Jesus, I'm so glad he didn't limit his father as he was here on earth, that he shone bright as he possibly could for you and for me. And this morning, he's calling us out as laborers into the harvest field to shine bright. If Jesus didn't hold back, why should we? And you're not alone, amen? Can we go ahead and get the lights dimmed down? I'm, go ahead, Clovis. I went, went a little long this morning. Let's just go ahead and uh, just, just sit in his presence. God, and I just, uh, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that it, it challenges us as a church. God, that it shows us what we, the things, the possibilities are endless, God, of what we can do and what we can reach for your kingdom. God, and I just pray, God, that, uh, God, we'd be, we be filled up with hope, God, and energized this morning as we go. God, and we see that we... God, we are one with you, God, and what, what can't we do? What can't we accomplish? So Holy Spirit, I just pray you do that work, God, and seal that work in this place this morning. I want to ask if there's anybody here this morning who's, we talked about Jesus being our Lord and Savior and Lord over our lives, but if he's never been your Lord in your life, that first, that first step, that first part. If you've never accepted him in your life, I want to give you that moment now, this opportunity now to accept him as Lord in your life. We call it being born again, getting saved. You're literally putting your trust in him for the first time. You're saying, you know what? I'm done trying to do this on my own. God, I'm even done fighting you. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something in a moment. And everyone's praying, no one's looking or, or watching. I'm going to ask you if that's you this morning and you know that it's true in your life and your heart. If something happened to you today, you don't know where you're going to go. If you're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. If you don't know, that's a sign that you're not right with God most likely. And so if that's you, I'm going to ask you to simply just stand up where you're at. And no one's looking at you. No one's watching. And if you say, why do I have to stand? I say you have to stand because Jesus died on a cross for you. The least you can do is stand up in his sanctuary with all the lights dimmed down while everyone else is praying for you. So if God's speaking to you now and that's you, I'm going to give you a few more moments to stand. To stand. Don't let this, this day, this moment pass you by. Your life can literally change today. You can experience more peace than you've ever experienced probably in a long time.